Good morning. Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4? Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read this section together as we begin. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 17 and following. Now, this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them due to hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands, so that he may have something to share with one another in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as as good to build up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is God's sufficient, eternal, authoritative, life-giving, and life-changing word. Would you pray with me? So Father, we uh, come to you today and come together today to, to study your word and to learn and to grow. Father, in, in just this very short section, we see the way the world thinks and the way the world speaks and the way the world acts, and we're supposed to be radically different. So Father, I pray that you would remind us the newness that you have created in us, that we are new creatures, we are a new creation, we are brand new in you, we have a new family, we have a new name, we're new. So Father, help us to stop living like the old and help us to start to live like the new person that you've created us to be. Father, remind us that that only happens through the precious work of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, what he did for us 2,000 years ago, and what he continues to do through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to continue to transform us so that we look more and more like your son in this dark and lost world. So today, Father, teach us, help us to hear you, help us to learn, help us to apply, help us to bring glory and honor to you, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. 
So last week I had an opportunity to begin um, this conversation with you about um, some struggles that we're having in our society today. And I, I asked you to think about the title for such a time as this, to live in this world differently, to live differently in this world that we start to reflect something different. And the concern is, is that believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we may be living so much like the world in the way we think, in the way we speak, in the way we act, that we're not radically different in the world I gave you an illustration, and if you remember, I began the uh, sermon with this illustration of this rumor that had happened on a college campus that there was an active shooter that was there, and all the fear and all the anxieties that people had, and it was all based on a rumor. But it was this belief that was driving them to feel the way they were feeling and to act the way they were acting. And then if you remember, we, we spent some time going through Acts chapter 19, talking about the riots that were happening in Ephesus. And if you remember, those riots that were happening in Ephesus all started because the gospel was being preached by Paul, and this one person was attacking that gospel message, Demetrius, and Demetrius had some financial um, desires there that he was afraid that he was going to lose out financially. So what he ended up doing was getting a crowd of people together. And if you remember, they were chanting, they were going at one another, they were looking to attack Paul, they were divisive, and they were destructive. We may be experiencing some of those things in our time. We may be experiencing things in our time where there are significant struggles and, and fears and insecurities that are here, that it's, it's happening. And we have groups that come together, and sometimes these groups that come together will do some destructive things. And sometimes these groups will come together and they really don't know why they're doing it, if you remember Acts chapter 19. But I'd be mistaken if we would not believe that we have some significant problems in this world. We have a broken world. We have a world system that looks to divide, and part of what sin does is it divides. If you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, it's interesting. Go back to the Garden of Eden, there was this harmony between humanity and God. Humanity walked with God. There was harmony between humanity and humanity. They connected with one another intimately. They were naked and not ashamed. There was nothing that separated them. And there was harmony between humanity and even nature. The lion and the lamb would have laid down together. We would not have been afraid of nature. That was all before the fall. And when God created humanity, God created humanity dependent. Dependent upon him, but also dependent upon counsel. Second, we would need to be molded and shaped and changed by the counsel that we listen to. So you're going to be dependent people. All of us were created dependent. We're created dependent upon counsel. Whoever has your ear, has your mind, as I've said to you, whoever has your mind impacts your heart, and whoever impacts your heart impacts your life. And prior to the fall, God was, humanity was dependent upon God and humanity was counseled by God and they were being molded and shaped and changed into the image of God and everything was good. It was actually very good. And all of the division and all the chaos and all the confusion and all the problems that we have today start in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, we have a story of a man and a woman and a Satan, a devil, a demon, 
who is looking to usurp the authority of God and looking to bring vitriol for all of us, division for all of us, destruction for all of us. And Adam and Eve started to listen to a new counselor. And as they started to listen to this new counselor, as we've already said, you will be molded and shaped and changed by the counsel that you will listen to. That's what was happening with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, actually Eve, Satan went after Eve and got her ear and then attacked her mind and now her heart has been corrupted. She acts out by eating a fruit. We don't know what kind of fruit it was, but she rebelled against God. In mind, she rebelled against God. In heart, and then she rebelled against God in action. She doubted the word of God. She doubted the authority of God. She doubted the character and the goodness of God. But isn't that exactly where we're at today? That the people will go against the word of God, they do not believe in the character of God, and they will not submit to the authority of God. And as humanity does that, immediately after she ate the fruit, she gave some to her husband who was right there with her, and he ate it. And immediately they felt shame. They felt something within them, that there's something wrong, and it was a separation And what did they want to do? They wanted to cover themselves up from who? From each other. The separation has now happened between these two people. They were naked and not ashamed, and now they have come, and they're separated, and they want to turn their backs towards one another. That's what sin does. Sin starts with shame, and so what do we do? We cover up that shame. But then sin leads to fear. And what they used to do is when they would hear God coming in the garden, what would they do? They would run towards God. And now because of sin, what are they doing? They're running and hiding from the sovereign God, the ever-present, all-knowing God. And what I love about God is this. In the midst of their sin, in the midst of their misery, in the midst of their chaos, in the midst of their confusion, he pursues them. Because they would have never pursued him on their own. And what God does is, amazingly, he pursues and then he prods them. He says, Adam... Where are you? He asked a question, not because God didn't know the answer. God knew they were hiding over there behind that plant over there. He knew it. But what he's trying to do is to get them to to acknowledge their sin and to confess. Their shame led to the covering up. Their fear led to running and hiding. But then when Adam was confronted by God, you remember what Adam said. Adam said what? My wife Eve sinned. She deserves to die. She deserves to take your wrath for her sin. God, let me die in her place. Let her live. That's not what your version says. (laughs) That's not what mine says either. All right, so James Long paraphrase. What does it say? So when he was confronted with his sin, he goes double barrel. He says, it was the woman that you, God, gave to me. And so in the midst of his shame, he covered up. In the midst of his fear, he ran and hid. In the midst of his guilt, he blamed. He not only blamed horizontally, but he blamed vertically. I I just want you to know that I got one finger pointed out at Adam I got three fingers pointed back at me. I am no better. 
We're not any better in humanity. In humanity, we struggle with the same thing today. We doubt the word of God. We doubt the character of God. We doubt the authority of God. We all struggle on some way or another, a combination of shame, which we covered up, fear, which we run and hide, and guilt, which we seek to blame. And there is only one answer for all of the division that happens in this world. It's Christ. See, what Satan looks to do is he wants to distract you from the truth. And then when he can distract you, he will deceive you. And when he deceives you, you will fall to defeat. You will follow his counsel. Inevitably, you have to. You will be distracted and deceived. And then you will fall to defeat. And then you'll be discouraged. The discouragement that is going to be so heavy. And what he's going to do is he's going to inflame disgrace in your life. Nobody could forgive you. Nobody could love you. And what he wants to do is destroy. So as we live in a world today that is so full of destruction, racism is evil. It's evil. I could sit here and tell you stories of how I have struggled with being viewed because of the color of my skin. It's evil. But it's not who I am. Who I am is I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, we want people to tell their stories of oppression that they've received. I want to hear stories. But the most important story that we need to hear is not individual stories. The most important story we need to hear is the story of God. The grand narrative. Remember last week we talked about the grand narrative. Judging somebody just based on their sex is wrong. Woman, man, wrong. Judging somebody based on their age and demeaning them is wrong. But all of these isms that we have today are a byproduct of Genesis chapter, what, three. The fall of humanity. And so now what Satan does is he creates the problem, and then what he says is, I'll give you the solution. But the solution, if it doesn't begin with Christ and end with Christ, is no solution at all. So I want you to think about this, that Paul, you know that riot was happening in Ephesus that we talked about in Acts chapter 19? I brought you to Ephesians because it was Ephesians, it was the Ephesian church where that was occurring. And when all the rioting was happening in that city, there was a church that was there. A church that was, Paul was talking to. And a church that Paul was saying, I want you to know who you are. I want you to learn about who you are. I want you to love who you are. And I want you to live who you are. So those are my three points today. Learn, love, live. So let's look at this passage in Ephesians chapter Seven, uh, 4, verse 17. Now I say, and I testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. 
It's interesting that as Paul has started this grand narrative and we got a chance to walk through the beginning part of it in Ephesians chapter 1, he says, who you are and think about all these blessings that you have in Christ. And then he says in Ephesians 2, remember who you were under wrath and a children of, under the child of Satan and that you were bound by sin. That's who you were. And then by grace, you've been saved through faith. And then he said you were separated, but then in Ephesians 2, he says you've been brought together in Christ. All of these grand things, now he comes to this practical section. That's the way Paul writes. So if you're not familiar with Paul, I love Paul. The way Paul writes is he lays down the the principles, and then he'll give you practical application. He'll lay down doctrine, and then he'll tell you what your duty is. He'll tell you what the beliefs are, and then he'll flip to the behaviors. He never starts with the behaviors first. He wants you to know what Christ has done for you and who you are in Christ. And then he says, out of that, that's how you live. That's how he writes. So his book here in Ephesians, chapter 3, Ephesians, breaks down pretty easy. Chapters 1 through 3 is the belief section. It's all about what Christ has done for you and who you are in Christ. And then he makes a switch in Ephesians chapter 4, and we got a chance to begin that last week. And if you remember, it says, Therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, walk in a manner worthy. So he talked about a worthy walk. He is saying, now, practically speaking, live out who you are. And now he comes to this section, and he begins this section, the verses 1 through 16, which I won't take time to go through today. 1 through 16 deals with the unity of the body. So we are supposed to live out unified. Unity in the midst of diversity. See, the church is supposed to be something different, that race differences and um, age differences, different things that women will do in the church versus men will do in the church. We come together, different social economic statuses, different nations will come together. We are coming together as one in Christ. That's what the church is supposed to be. We should be the most beautiful kaleidoscope of what God has done as he's transformed human life. So he begins verses 1 through 16 with unity, and now he gets into how you actually live, holiness. And, and he'll take this right through the rest of the book. We're only going to f- uh, focus on these verses here. I'm primarily, primarily going to ver- focus on verses 17 through 24. He says, now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. He begins with a negative, and he says that they, Gentiles, I should tell you, is the world system that is out there. And he says, in the futility of their minds. So he begins with the way that the world thinks. The way that the world thinks is going to be radically different than what God is going to think. He says that it is futile, which is interesting because it's empty. It's purposeless. It's meaningless. That if you sit down and really listen to some very brilliant people come up with the most crazy things, irrational things, you just turn on the news every once in a while, and you got people that have PhDs all over the place, but they're saying things that just don't make sense. They're irrational. And they're irrational because I know that they're irrational because they do not compare to God's word. And he's saying, Paul says, you need to first start with the mind. They're futile in their thinking. It concerns me when I see, as a pastor, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ espousing truths from the world that are not lining up with the truth of God's word. And the truths from this world are lies. (laughs) You can't believe them. 
But that's exactly what the Gentiles were doing. They were saying things that were just futile, make no sense. And they are, the reason for that is verse 18. Here's the reason why they had futile, empty minds is because they were darkened in their understanding. There was no light. There was no hope. There was no enlightenment. It was no discernment. It was dark. It was a dark day there in their minds. They were darkened in their understanding, and here's the reason why. They were alienated from the life of God. We cannot have real hope of seeing things as they are without God. See, truth is reality as God sees it, not as I see it. Because if it's just my story, I'm going to tell you one thing and somebody else will tell you another story. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I get couples in my office that will sit there and one person will tell a story and it sounds good. But then you get this story from the other person. It's like, I didn't know that. And it's like, you need to hear the whole story. Because humanity outside of Christ is alienated from God. And it talks about ignorance that is in them. And watch this, because of the hardness of their heart. Callous. You know, Carmelo plays well. I mean, I wish I could play like that. I, play, I tried playing some stringed instruments. I actually played the cello for a while, believe it or not. Um, I um, played uh, guitar. I played violin. Didn't last any of them. You can tell. I can't sing and I can't play those instruments. Um, one of the things, and I'm a wimp, one of the things that I struggled with were those stinking what? Calluses. They were painful. And so now, painful, but if you went through it enough, what would end up happening is what? It wouldn't hurt any longer. And what Paul is arguing is this, that if you continue with the world's mindset and the futility of their mind, if you continue with the darkening understanding, if you continue to live your life separate from God, you are going to grow in a greater level of ignorance and your heart is going to become more and more hardened. There's a passage of scripture that talks about my people have forgotten how to blush. And there is this element where if we continue to act in wrong ways, we come to a place in our lives where it just doesn't matter anymore. I am so afraid that that is where we're going as a nation. I'm more afraid that that's where we're going as a church. That, that there are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ because they have been hearing Satan speak. He has impacted their minds. He's impacting their hearts. He's affecting their lives. And how do I tell that? Because there are certain things that will come out of their mouths and come out of their lives that just don't look like Christ. What Paul says here is interesting. He says, but, and he says, but, verse 20. That is not the way that you learned Christ. Interesting. He, he, he talks about their, the world's mental and intelligence and their thinking, and then he says, I want you to go back to what it was that you learned about Christ. I want you to remember the time where you heard the good news of the gospel. I want you to remember the very first time, I can remember it, sitting there hearing the good news of the gospel, and then all of a sudden, I'm hearing the bad news as well. That's not me. And I see the sin, and I see that I'm going to have to stand before that God of wrath, and I see, I see how 
I don't know how I'm going to answer him. How am I going to ever give a righteousness that is going to achieve his appeasement of his anger towards me? I had nothing in my hands that I could bring. I, was, I needed something to cling to, and it was, it was God's cross. And I can remember the very first time that that message came to me, and it was just like hope, help, healing. And, and Paul was saying, I want you to remember back to the day that you were saved. That is not the way you learned Christ. Not in ignorance, not in futility, not in hardness of heart, not in darkness, not in callousness, not in sensuality, not in greedy to practice every kind of impurity. You learned Christ differently. Assuming, verse 21, that you have heard. It's not only learning, but it's hearing. What have you heard today? heard Christ. I turn off the news, to be honest with you. I can't handle it any longer. So I really, I read a lot. I will read both sides. Sometimes I'll turn on the Fox News and other times I'll turn on MSNBC. I want to hear them both and both of them kind of go to extremes for me. And when I don't hear Christ, I don't hear an answer. And I need to turn that stuff off sometimes because I need to learn more of Christ. I need to hear more of Christ. And I need to be taught in him. See, you will never find an answer out in the world to the world's problems. They may be able to give you an idea of the characteristics or the symptoms, but they will never be able to take you to the cure. Because the cure is one person. That one person is who? Jesus. That's not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you've heard of him and were taught in him as to the truth. And then what he says is this. There was a pattern that tends to happen. You stop one, you start another, and there's a mindset renewal. I want you to watch this. He says, to put off, verse 22, your old self which belongs to your former manner of life. So you stop one thing, put on a new self, that is created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness, and then right in the middle, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How many of you have ever played sports before? Sports? Okay. Um... I'll tell you, one of the fun things I lo- used to love about sports is this, the uniform. <laughs> I'd go into the locker room, and there's my uniform hanging there, number 10, long. I mean, it's like that was my number, right? And that uniform just like sitting there, it's like, wow. And then you put on the uniform, and it was just, it was, man, I look good in this u- uh, I guess I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I look good in this uniform, man. And then I'm going to go out, and I'm going to play on this team. And yes, it said long number 10, but it also said a team name. I played with a team. And I was called to represent the team. And I was called to win for the team, move for the team, go together for the team. It wasn't about long, it was about team. So we put off one thing and we put on something new. And that's what what, what Paul is arguing here is this. You need to put off the old and put on the uniform of Christ. And you have to have a different thinking as you do that. And Paul is going to give us some illustrations. So I want you to watch these illustrations. Put off, put on, mind renewal. Let's try this. 
So he begins here by saying this. Therefore do what? Having put away what? Lying. Falsehood. He says, I want you to put away falsehood. And then what does he say you want, he wants you to do? Put away falsehood, and then what's the put on? What's the thing that we have to do? Speak truth. Speak truth. Now, he told us in verse 22 to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. Then he says, be renewed in the manner of your mind. And then he says, put on a new self, which is created of righteousness and holiness. It's not just external actions. It's about a mindset renewal. So what is the mindset renewal that he is asking you to think about when you stop lying, start speaking truth? What does he want you to believe? That we're all members of one another. See, that's the mindset. See, if I can start to think that it doesn't matter the shade or the color of your skin, it doesn't matter where you live, if I can think that we are one together, that I would never want to lie to you. Because then when I lie to you, I'm harming myself because you're my very body. Second, verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. A little bit different here, but I want you to see that the put off is sinful anger. He's not saying all anger is not sinful. It, I should be angry over racism. I should be angry over mistreatment. I should be angry over those that have been violated and taken advantage of. I should be angry over that. But in your anger, what? Do not sin. So sinful anger is the put off. What's the put on? The put on is having settled relationships. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Have settled relationships. There are people that are sitting here in this congregation, I know, maybe not know intimately, but I know just from looking out at you that some of you struggle with sinful anger. I see this in my office every day. Sinful anger. Not settling relationships which leads to brokenness in relationships. See, we should be something different here as believers. So what's the mindset renewal? If I'm supposed to put off sinful anger and put on righteous anger and settle relationships, what's the mindset renewal, James? Well, it's here in verse 27. When I don't do that, I am giving Satan a foothold in my life. I'm giving him a foothold in my marriage. I'm giving him a foothold in my relationships with my kids. I'm giving him a foothold in my relationship with you. Wow. Stop lying. Start speaking truth because we're members. Stop being sinfully angry. Settle relationships because we don't want to give Satan a foothold in our life. Verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal. Stop stealing, but rather let him labor with his hands, start getting to work, doing an honest work with his own hands, not taking from somebody else. I'm not going to make you do this for me. I want to do this on my own. And why? Here's the mindset renewal that I may have something to share with one another in need. I'm not going to steal from you. You may have stolen from me. I am not going to steal from you. I'm not going to break into your store and steal from you. But stealing is not just rioting or looting. 
I wonder how often we as believers steal from God. How many times do you not give your best in time, talents, or treasures to God? We steal from him. When I don't want to get into his word because I want to do what I want, I'm stealing from God. When I'm not supporting a church, it actually said in Malachi, I am stealing from God. And not just supporting a church with your treasures, but also supporting a church with your time and your talents. It's one of the things I can't stand, a little side note. I love the fact that we have the ability to live stream. Because there are some believers that are physically unable to be with us. I got it. My fear as your pastor is this, is that the live stream will make it so easy that I can watch the sermon, I can watch Carmelo and the band sing, and I could go and do whatever I want. And if you're not here because of health issues, I understand, but I have sat down with some people that say, you know, I kind of like the live stream, I don't have to give, I don't have to be there in church. You're missing the church. The church is about using your gifts and your talents so that we could be together as one another. <laughs> and when we do that, we're stealing from one another. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. I can't listen to some stuff online anymore. Cannot. You may not like this president, you may love him. He is not my savior. You may disagree with mask versus no mask, but we need to be able to do this in a way that still honors Christ. Why can't we debate with one another? Why can't we communicate with one another? Why can't we converse with one another in love? Paul talked about that just earlier, speak truth in love. But we don't do that today. We yell and scream and we demean one another and by doing so, we hurt and harm one another. Paul says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth but only what is good for building up as it fits the occasion. And why? So that I can give grace. That's the mindset renewal. Give grace to those. We should use our mouths and our platforms to speak truth and love towards one another. We should be speaking truth and doing it in a gracious and God-honoring way, but we, we don't do that today, sad to say, because we are following the world's counsel far too often. Verse 30, he says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Some of us kind of pass over that line. I really sat there for a while, and I stood on that line this week. Grieving God. The same God who chose to rescue me, grieving him. The same God who, who brought me into his family, grieving him. I can grieve him in my thoughts. I can grieve him in my words. I can grieve him in how I treat you. Do we ever think about the fact that we are grieving God? We are so focused on how people have oppressed me and hurt me and hindered me, but I don't ever, 
I shouldn't say I don't ever. We, as a group, sometimes don't think about how we grieve God. And Paul says he wants you to give a mindset renewal. When you do all of these things, steal, lie, cheat, talk terribly, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has brought us all together in unity. We're a body. Then he ends with this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Interesting, all of these things. And then he says, what are you supposed to put? That's what you put off. And what do you put on? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And what's the mindset renewal? Because Christ has done this for you. I want you to learn more about what God has done for you. I want you to love Christ more and more. And I want you to live like Christ. The only way you will ever live like Christ is that you have to start to love him. And the only way you will start to love him is to live like him. So I'll end with this. There are so many of us that um, get triggered today. We get triggered by uh, things that people have done to us. You know, in counseling, we call it hijacking. Your emotions sometimes get hijacked. And so what happens is that your emotions start to overwhelm your rational thinking. And, and then when others around you are also feeling that same way, you could start to flood. And all the triggers that happen, maybe because of poor communication. I've sat down with people, and it was just simply poor communication. They're just not hearing one another. Sometimes it's misunderstanding. Sometimes it's conflicting agendas. Paul, um, James talks about that in James chapter 4. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Sometimes it's conflicting agendas. Inevitably, what will happen once you get triggered, you will tend to act defensively. And when you feel defensive, you will start to get sarcastic and you will get angry. Maybe you'll run away. Maybe you'll slam the phone down on the person. I don't know. But inevitably, you're going to begin to think of yourself as an innocent victim or at least unappreciated. And when we do that, what happens is we're going to start to develop a critical spirit within us. We're going to assume the worst about one another. We're going to start to label large groups of people. And when we do that, we're going to ignore any evidence that doesn't support our theory. We're going to grab onto evidence that does. And when you do that, you're going to be confused, frustrated, out of control. And as the emotions intensify in you, you're going to be thinking less and less rationally. You're going to lose hope for a positive resolution. You're going to start to get hard and uncaring in your heart and life, and it's going to impact your relationships. You may even avoid the other person. You may avoid that relationship because I'm sick of them. So you'll give up friendships. You'll give up relationships. You'll give up church. You'll give up whatever it is because it's them. And, and what the world is trying to tell us today is this. Your greatest problem is outside of you. It's not. My greatest problem and your greatest problem is within you. It's sin. Sin causes us to doubt God's word and doubt God's authority and doubt God's character. Sin leads to shame. It leads to fear. It leads to guilt. 
Humanity wants to cover up that shame with fig leaves. Or they want to cover up their fear by running and hiding. Or they want to cover up their guilt by blaming. But that is not the answer. The answer is this. Stop living like the world in their futility of their thinking. Stop living like the world in their ignorance to God and hardness towards God and others. Start to live, love, and learn about who? Christ. And let, us, let them know that we are Christians by what? Our love for one another. We can turn this world upside down by starting with a small group here in Warren County, New Jersey. Washington, New Jersey. And from there, we can impact the world that is out there. One person at a time. The gospel message at the time. You can be free and forgiven if you trust in Christ. So Lord, we, um, we pray today for the, um, for the struggles that are real today. There are struggles and painful things that are happening in this world today. It's real. And Father, there are ways that this world seeks to identify those struggles and then how to solve those struggles. It's where they go wrong. Father, you don't deal with, and we don't deal with oppression by becoming oppressive ourselves. That's wrong. We don't deal with prejudice by prejudging others. That's wrong. We don't deal with harming and hurting by harming and hurting. That's wrong. And the issue is this, Father, we are missing that this is not our home. We live in a broken world, a dark world, an ignorant world, a world that is alienated from you. And Father, it was one person that can rescue us from that. It was one person who you had planned to send before this world was ever created, before Adam and Eve had all ever fallen, you had planned to send this one person, your son, the second person of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ, to live for us and to die for us. He substituted himself for us. And we get the privilege of having a relationship with him. Father, remind us that in Christ we are new creations. The old has passed away, the new has come. Father, help us to stop living like we used to live as the old life, book one. Help us to live like a new life, book number two. Father, help us to learn about Christ and to love him and to live like him. Not for our benefit primarily, but for for your glory and for the good of others. Help us to do that in the way we speak to this world. Help us to do that in the way we act in this world. And I pray that people would see that there is something different about us. God, please forgive us when we are living so much like the world and the way we think and speak and act that we don't, there's no discernible difference. Please forgive us. And by doing that, we are sinning. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. I thank you for your Holy Spirit who regenerates us brings us to life and faith. I thank you for your Holy Spirit who doesn't just regenerate us, but transforms us. We're new. 
So I pray that day by day, moment by moment, you would be doing your work by your Holy Spirit in our lives so that we will reflect the glory of your Son more and more and more and more. For those that are here that have never trusted in Christ, that will one day, if they don't, stand before you as judge, I pray today would be the day that they would recognize they could stand before you as a father. And it comes by bending their knee to your Son. And for the many of us that do know you, Lord, I pray that you would remind us that um, Christ needs to become more and more apparent in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you rise with me as we close in this benediction? Taken from Jude, it goes this way. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... And to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority, before all time, now and forevermore. Amen. 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 Be blessed.